0: back to the What The Fork Sumland Review podcast that's full of chocolate, pints and Christmas cheer. It's been a very enjoyable post-Christmas as 4,000 Sumland fans made the trip to Yorkshire to see Lee Johnson's Sumland absolutely dismantle Gary McSheffrey's Doncaster Rovers. Um, we weren't going to do a pod but it was such a good performance we thought well you know bloody hell why not so some of us might be a bit worse for worse some of us are completely sun-cold sober but nonetheless we're going to go for it and um, Joining me to Wax Lyrical, hopefully, about Sunderland's performance is Dave Lawrence, first and foremost. Dave, you normally join us from a pub. Are you still joining us from a pub?
1: I am indeed. I'm upstairs in the flat, but uh, yeah, I've left my mum and dad working for half an hour while we crack on.
0: And how was your Christmas?
1: It was all right, mate. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, had a little bit of, little bit of work to do and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, there's still people out uh, celebrating, which is good, good for the pub and good for the business. But yeah, I was, it was pretty low key and pretty nice.
0: Same. Second of all, Brad, obviously you don't normally join us from a pub, but I believe you're joining us from near a pub. How was your Christmas, mate? All right.
2: The best one I've ever had, mate. Um, my little boy's 10 years old and it's the first one where I've had him Christmas Eve. So yeah, it was the best one that I've ever had. Does he still believe in Santa? <laughs> yeah. And I think this will probably be his last one, maybe, give or take. Um, so just to get that with him was the best and then me and the missus have got a new one and so I've got it all to do again
0: well for me we're talking about the Santa thing the other day and I know we're here to talk about something, but I must say that we're thinking the other day when do you find out Santa's not real and I found out when my dad left the price on the back of me Sunderland to beat your team when I was about seven had Joseph's nine ninety nine on the back so I, I think I found out in the best possible way because Joseph was a class toy shop and I, for a while I thought maybe Santa lived in Joseph's but apparently not so Dave I'm going to come to you first uh, a very comfortable and enjoyable 3-0 win today day for the lads how are you feeling a few hours after full time
1: yeah very very good I was very confident going into the game to be honest um, I think we needed a few a few little bits we needed Ross Stewart to score you know I, I love his all-round contribution in general as we know but yeah it was nice to see him sort that penalty away quite comfortably Yeah. Um. I think Sky said earlier that he hadn't scored in nine games something like that I don't know how true that is doesn't sound right to me.
2: It's not. They corrected either. themselves. They, they said they, didn't score nine. Then Super Kev came and said no, he scored one in nine. So I think it was the one in game.
1: nine. But I mean, that put two goals behind leading scorer, so that tells you everything. The fact that we're still winning games without him scoring, and I think it's something we all attest to do at the beginning of the season. How how much he would bring to our game, and he does. I love I love the bloke. We all know how much I love the bloke. I rant and rave about him every time we're on. Um... Pritchard good starting to prove with his fitness and everything that he's a cut above. Um Embleton was pretty good a dear. Gooch, uh, yeah. To be honest, I couldn't find a weak performer if I'm honest. You know, nice to see Corey Evans back in there just slipping straight in. Yeah, looks oh, it's not much to whinge about, is that? It feels weird, doesn't it? There's
0: there's very few <laughs> negatives to pull out the pull out the bag with it, but it was it was a, it was a really good performance. And like I say, we weren't going to do a podcast because when you start doing Previews and reviews you over Christmas period, you tend to lose your Christmas period from my perspective. Um, but when you win that game, it's kind of what you want to do is talk about the match. But you touched on Sky Sports there before. Now, obviously, I've had a few Sky Sports guys on here and they've been very good to me in, in my in my time doing the podcast, but they've got a lot of stuff wrong today. Apparently, we've been out of the Premier League for four years because we spent four years in League One. Do the maths, lads. That's a little <laughs> bit wrong um it's actually been five and and you did the maths actually come to think of it and still got it wrong but nonetheless i'm not going to complain about sky sports because i might want one of the presenters at some point really comfortable like i say enjoyable to the point where we wanted to do a podcast today uh, when we had not planned to but how are you feeling in the aftermath of the game
2: more than the moment, to be honest it's like i won them games where you just did not want it to end because you've mm-hmm. just seen every single player they're playing that little bit swagger they were, they were just enjoying themselves. Even at like even at one nil, I was like, being a Sunderland fan, you thinking, right, we need to put this to bed because they're starting to get a little bit too comfortable too early. Um, but the the second goal, I mean, I know their defence was absolutely honking to be honest, but that little move from Pritchard and great pick out from Flanagan, and then they get the goal like five minutes before half time, just changes everything, doesn't it? Um, yeah. They came out second half, first two or three minutes. (laughs) They got at us with that uh, big lad up front who came on. We we went and we just put them to bed five minutes in. And from then it was just, it was, are we going to score anymore? And I think the best goal of the game was the one that got chalked off because what a team goal that would have been if Denver Humes was allowed. Um, So, yeah, there's no complaints from me. I I texted you off and I said, I think if you want to be picky, about any negatives is probably uh, Doyle's yellow card. Definitely. And that's, that, that has been ultra picky is because he was he, he's on four now. So one more in the next three or four games before the reset, he's going to get suspended. But that's but his inexperience an And that is me being ultra picky if I want to be negative. But I, f- from like from the back to the front, I, I, I just couldn't fault all the lads. That It was just near near perfect. Game to watch, from my point of view.
0: Yeah, and and you know a lot of people mentioned about Doncaster having a lot of players out and a lot of young lads at the back, and and I completely get that. Um, but I counted the players we had out, good six or seven that have been out, and I've seen a lot of Doncaster fans like saying, you know, like was well, Sunderland or Sunderland and this, that, and the other, and, and I get we have a higher quality of player, but. It's good to see that even with all our injuries and the fact that they had a few young lads, it felt like we had another three or four gears. I don't think that was a training match of points. We were that comfortable, if we're completely honest with each other. You never feel massively comfortable with something, but I think everyone else watching that was kind of like, oh, well, something's in cruise control here. We were going forward at will. I cannot remember a a shot that they had. Um, Like I said, it got to half time. I was disappointed it wasn't three or four. And I'm, I'm probably, if I'm being picky, disappointed it wasn't five or six because we just we looked a step above um with players out and I know it was a young in- inexperience and injury hit Doncaster side but you could it's about time we looked like we were a step above when things like that happen. because too many times we'll come up against an injury hit young squad that'll end up fluking a draw against us or we'll duff it in the last minute and that's been our Achilles heel for the past three seasons under Parkinson and under Ross and, and under Johnson towards the back end of last season. So it's nice to see us just basically stuffing teams and being disappointed with things like Daffy cards and the fact that we didn't score five or six. Um, that probably sums up how you feel, doesn't
2: it? I mean, I, I think second half, I think they made one chance where Hoffman's at the saving. And to be fair, it was a good save. He got a good left hand up in the air to so oh, yeah. stop it. But apart from that, it wasn't under... We weren't under any pressure at all, but that's where credit needs to come to sort of like the players like Hoffman, where they don't have a lot to do, but like he's still switched on when it's when a shot's going to come at him, you know. Yeah. Um, for me, like I, I I can't really complain about any aspect of that game. Everything about it was just good to watch, and it, like you looked at the time, it was like eighty two, eighty three minutes. And I was like, I wish we had another half an hour in this game because it was just, you never wanted wanted it to end.
0: It was fun. Performances like that are just fun. Um, And I very rarely say that about Sunderland. Um, But Dave, I'm going to come back to you regarding performances. We've kind of touched on it, basically. I think Brad's even said it. There were some very, very good performances across the park today. Embleton got man of the match from Sky Sports, but I think across the board... You couldn't put a player lower than seven, seven point five. Um, but if you had to pick one player out, I'm gonna pigeonhole you and say you've got to pick one player out. Who was your standout for today?
1: That is hot, Graham. That's a horrible question because I, I give him plenty of and he still frustrates the life out of me. And he did do a couple of things wrong a day. But for how much I'm not that impressed with him often because he makes the wrong decision. I'm probably gonna go Lyndon Gooch. I thought he was very, very good. I'll tell you what, everything about Sunland at the minute, everything that's going right. It shows you that for this level, they're good enough to comfortably win games. And the simple fact of the matter is it's confidence, it's swagger, it's that little bit of big balls, basically. You know, we've we've touched on it plenty of times. And, yeah, Gooch, I mean, he must be a defender's... I, I think people should be defending better because he is quite... The way he's, his body language is and stuff on the ball is as a coach, you would, you'd like to think that you could pick up on how to defend against him easily. But the one thing that he's added to his boy is he's going on the outside as well. So yeah, I'd just about go Gooch, I think.
0: I'm going to come to you next, Brad. I didn't realise I was on
2: mute there. Um... (laughs) I I thought it was my phone there and Dave in the chat saying we're on mute and I was like, I was thinking, oh, God, I'm going to have
0: to go. It's definitely Christmas, isn't it? Jeez, I'm on mute. <laughs> You're in the car. Oh, man. Um, either I was
2: just sh- seeing I your lips moving. I was like, oh, God, he's going he's gonna to ask me a question. Yeah? I'm just going to have to think, wait, like, what is a very grim question? And let's see if I can guess what the fuck he's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you can see,
0: ladies and gentlemen, we are 100%, 100% professional and uh, prepared for this one. Um, basically, what what I was saying, um, what my lips were saying, because obviously you can't lip-read, as we can tell, um, who was your man of the match? There was a, a lot of choice today, but obviously I think everyone has their own, doesn't they?
2: My man of the match today, and it, I, I said it at even half-time when I was on the phone with my granddad, was Dan Neil, And I know... Oh, Obviously no. when he's on sky and there's been these links with Burnley lately, so they're like it's going to be like focused on him a lot. But when you watch him play, like we said last week on the pod, he, he just makes that extra little bit of space to himself. That 30, 40 yard diag today to Embleton's feet was like years above where he should be. Um and when, when you watch him, like usually you say people look like they're playing on ice when they're slipping over all the time. But Dan neil plays like a figure skater <laughs> he just glides past people that's the way I can describe him
0: so smooth like eh? he just
2: he, he, it, it's like effortless for him um but I mean, without them even testing us very much it was nice to see him get forward a little bit as well and like a special mention for me would go to Bailey White, because I think he's made that mm-hmm. right center half right back position his own he got forward first half and I think he put a little like a little all across the floor to ross stewart who laid about a who got blocked but like i think bailey Wright. we're starting to see bailey Wright as the player that we had on loan before we signed him permanently we're starting to see that little bit of confidence from him he's had the armband a few times and i think that's helped him as well um he's got a young lad in Diaku just ahead of him so he, he's like he knows that he's got a lot of responsibility on him and i enjoy seeing right but for me today dan neal that was almost the perfect performance. All he needed was a goal, and a goal for me.
0: Ah, he's just. I mean, you don't want to wax lyrical about when that because like it felt like Sky Sports again. I'm not picking on you, Sky Sports, I promise. But um, they mentioned about him going and people looking at him and stuff like that. But I think I'd like to think that we know a good young player when we see them. We said stuff about Pickford, we said stuff about Henderson. I know it was a different division, and I'm certainly not saying he's anywhere near the level of Jordan Henderson. I think that would be obscene if you got even close to it, because Jordan Henderson is world-class and has been for seasons on end. But you just look at him and you think, you know, at the very, very least, you've got to be potentially low-end premiership. And, that, and that's me probably being a bit harsh, because I think if he continues at the trajectory and the way that he plays, like he's like a figure skater, he's like he's silky, and I think Danny Collins called him silky. He is like that, and sometimes you just see players and you think you're two, three steps ahead of everyone on this pitch, and today it was just so evident. Um, I was hoping one of these were going to say Daniel. My, my man of the match, for people who were wondering, was Alex Pritchard, but Daniel, I'm splitting hairs. Um, I'll go Pritchard because because you went Daniel, Brad. But um, I'll come to you, Dave, with this one in regards to Daniel. He was awesome, like absolutely awesome. Again, Sky Sports did seem to push the issue, but that is their job. I get it. Um, the truth is, people are starting to notice the kid. And um, there's rumors of a three million bidding coming from Burnley. How concerned are you that we, we could potentially lose him?
1: I think firstly the reason that i wouldn't have said anything about daniel was because i'm absolutely adamant that sean dice listens to this i'm confident it's just his type of show i'm confident it is so yeah daniel's by the way um (laughs) yeah listen any good young english footballer should be viewed upon by any premier league club or top end championship club um, so, yes, I have no doubt that there's interest in and around them. I think, and I, so, yeah, we'll put it out there. Two things. This is where having local lads coming through the ranks helps you because I can't for a second imagine from January, unless we're talking like a Liverpool, a Man United, an Arsenal, a Chelsea, a City, who even then I think would loan them back to us I think if we're in with a shout of automatic promotion, Dan Neil stays till at least the end of the season. And I would like to think that he's got a good enough people around him. Your natural progression is to go and play championship football next season, not Premier League football, another year. You know, you've got to remember he's a young lad and he can go and do that with his with his home club. I think unless it's ridiculous in January, I don't think we lose him. But that is a bold statement, and I know it's a bold statement. So yeah, and uh, the likes of Burnley and stuff, no disrespect to Burnley, they're obviously two divisions higher than us, but uh, surely not, you know? Surely if, so, if you can keep going uh, through the leagues with Sunderland a couple of years in the championship, two seasons maybe, and then yes, if a big, big club comes in, as in like an Everton, a Spurs, a Villa, someone like that, and we're still not in the, the promised land, so to speak, then yeah, maybe that's the right time. Well, that's just my opinion on it. That's what I said
2: you a few weeks. He said it's like he's, he's, he wants to progress with the club. And if a big, one of these big boys come in for him and offer him silly money, you can't begrudge him if it does happen that way. But I think signing his new four-year deal, is a big statement for him as a player and what he wants from his progression. But for us as a club as well, to say that we're going to promote the youth and we're going to show all these other young lads that there is a way, to to progress your career. And Dan Neal's the primary example of it. I think they touched on Sky Sports, again, with mentioning Sky, because obviously we're on Sky, that's where we watched it. Um, But Kevin Phillips said he spoke to him a few times in his son and through and through. And I think Dan Neal understands seeing people that he's played with in the academy, as the likes of Sam Greenwood, for example. He's went to one club, then he's went to Arsenal, then he's went to Leeds, and he's still not worked his way into the first team. And like Bali, um, well, Bali Mumba went to Norwich, he's not getting a look in now. I think he's seen that because they were all around his age, if I take a year or two. So, I think he might uh, that might be helping us, on the other hand, to say like where Dan wants to stay with Sunland, if you know what I mean. It's a a different way to look at it.
0: I hope so, and it's it's a valid point because obviously, Sam Greenwood, I mean, Leeds are playing 15 16 year olds, and yet you still can't see. Sam Greenwood getting anywhere other than like sporadic appearances from the bench. I think he made his league debut the other day, but Leeds. I don't think it's a secret that they have like absolutely honours of, of injuries. Um, Bali Mumba. I kind of forgot that he was at Norwich because I haven't seen him for a few weeks. That's another really valid point. Um, for me, maybe the concern, but maybe it's just me being very, very, very cautious. Is Charlie Methven I was there again today and. There's still questions over how much those men own in the club. And I'm I'm swaying towards maybe I'm panicking over and out because I'm trying to be more hopeful in my old age. But there is a concern that if they've got more than we think they've got, and that meth friend keeps turning up at matches, I wouldn't necessarily say I'd think, think he knows he's not that welcome. Makes me wonder how much he's actually got left in the club, and, and the same with Donald and but you, you've got to think, I think Kirill's probably the majority stakeholder. Worst, worst, worst case scenario. He's the majority stakeholder. It'll be up to him whether Daniel goes or stays and Daniel sends a new four-year contract. So is Elliot Embleton. So I think I'll give the benefit of the doubt to them in this case. I think uh, bold statement, like Dave said, but I think we can hang on to him for at least the end of the season and, and get us up. And then, and if we get up and get into the championship, then you've got more to throw him, More reasons to throw him for staying um you can say look go to the premier league if you want sit on the bench a few weeks and maybe get into the team or or you know help us push on in the championship have a good season in the championship and then prove that you're good enough for the premier league it's wishful thinking but it's also got a bit of realism in it as well um i talked about how positive today wasn't it was but th- there has been one huge negative that's came from today to be honest and it'll it'll probably take us on to the final few questions but um Nathan Broadhead's been excellent. I, I said the other week, I think I asked the question, is he our best since Josh Madger at this level? Um, I, I said yes, probably in terms of natural ability. The likelihood is Brady's going to be out until the end of the season, at the very least or the majority of the season. Um, how big of a blow is, is losing Nathan Broadhead?
2: Oh, it's massive. Um, when he got injured the other night, my granddad said, even, even if it's a couple of weeks, we need, we need another striker anyway, just in case. Um, but now it's been announced three months minimum it's massive um i mean just on today's performance and you take it like you, you try to take it into isolation that would he have made much of a difference today no because doncastle that poor but then we've got the latest like, chef wed coming up like very soon before we can make any signings and they're the ones where we're going to it's going to be testing can the other lads step up um i mean your natural possible replacement today would have been possibly O'Brien, but then he's got COVID and with COVID going around as it is, it's going to affect us like in the next few weeks. It, it, it's guaranteed it's got, it, there's going to be players missing. So yeah, we are going to need to get a new striker because Broadhead as every podcast that we listen to and Dave and yourself and Danny and Frankie, they all, they always talk about how vital Nathan Broadhead is and without him, I know Stuart Scott today and it was a penalty. I, I, I do think we need that extra goal scorer. Yeah, me too. And my granddad actually threw up, uh, he he threw something into me uh, which made me think and he said, would you recall Will Grigg? And not just because <sighs> for, for our benefit, to get him away from Rotherham because they're going to be up there with us. It's either going to be, we've got him on loan and we've got Josh Hawks on loan. And if you can't bring someone in who's going to be better than them two, you recall them. If, if, they, if, they, if you don't feel it, the next player you bring in is going to be better than what you've already got. you have recall them to, in my opinion. And I agreed with my granddad saying it, even though when he mentioned Will Grigg, I was like, what are you on about? I just thought he was in his 93-year-old age. I was like, yeah. <laughs> why are you mentioning him? But I could sort of see what he was on about. You're taking a striker away from a team that's going to be up there with us. And even if it means him coming on the bench and he might get, three or four goals between now and the end of the season. That could be the difference. Um, but, yeah, we're going to miss him. Yeah. And, I mean, we spoke about him last week when you asked, are we, will Everton recall him in January? Well, there's your answer now, no. And he's going to stay with us through his rehab, getting back to being fit. It could be a, in the long term, short term, it's horrific. But in the long term, it could be he might see it as how much we take care of him to get them on a the long-term basis.
0: I was saying that before, Dave, and I, I want to throw the question to you. And obviously it's dependent on the fee, which we'll never really know because it's got nothing to do with us and how many fees are undisclosed these days. But Broadhead, three-month minimum. So that pretty much puts them out of the picture up until maybe the, the last few important games, which by by that point, hopefully we're clear and the playoffs doesn't look anywhere near. Um, But do we now say, look, we really like the look at Broadhead, what he's brought. He's been a really good player for us. We've got these injured. How much would it take to bring him here permanently? And then if we can sort a of permanent deal out for him and he wants to come, which he might not, but hopefully he does, you've then got a loan option freed up and then you can also potentially have a player for, you know, if we go up into the championship or something that's going to benefit us in the years to come. Then I would imagine Alves is going back. You've got two loan places freed up. You can bring a striker in with one of them. Is that is that too utopian of me that we can just go and sign Broadhead and then get two good young loan players?
1: Probably because as, as strange as it sounds, I don't. You probably have to have some kind of gentleman's agreement in place because he don't know how it works with medicals nowadays. But obviously, you know, trying to get past that stage in terms of for insurance and stuff and all that all the boring stuff that we don't know about, I can't imagine it would work out. So you'd need, so, I mean, it, it it makes sense. And I think John Lee Johnson's, that's one thing I'll give him. I think his man management's quite good. So I reckon he probably is in Nathan Broadhead's ear and kind of saying, listen, you know, I need to free it up. I need players in this position. By the way, Sam Greenwood could be a shout for a loan deal. Just putting it out there.
0: Yeah, not a bad shout.
1: Um... Yeah, so I I think it's workable and I I think ultimately we have to protect the club and we have to get ourselves in a position to get automatic promotion. Unfortunately, Broadhead, yeah, even with fitness, by the time he comes back, yeah, maybe he's for six games, possibly at maximum. I don't, I, I think it's it's throw isn't it? I think you've got to you've got to free up the loan space and you've got to try and get someone else in who's gonna affect the game. Because we said at the beginning of the season, for trying to preview the season, we were worried that if Ross Stewart got injured, where does it come from? You know, Broadhead has stepped up and shown that he can do that of granted with Ross Stewart. But I don't i tell you what, I wouldn't want Ross Stewart injured at the minute. My God.
0: No, get us a new, years day the-
1: Oh. I mean, I I thought Johnson would have protected them about 10 minutes earlier today. I thought, comfortable. I thought he would have brought Harris on.
0: That is the worry that Aidan O'Brien, who hasn't scored goals for Sunderland, one game aside, and a little flurry of goals last year, Aidan O'Brien's not scored anywhere near the same rate as Broadhead or Stewart and, and he realistically... It's the next step because he's more experienced than Harris and Benjamin Kimbrough was just chaos football, isn't he? Um, and as much as I like chaos, I don't know whether that's he's like a, a
2: dog. He's like a dog chasing a balloon, isn't he?
0: A little bit, yeah. I mean, he's bulked up. Bloody I hell, I don't yeah. know what he's been on on the protein bars. Like, I, I
2: don't like to slay them because obviously he is a young lad, but he's like a he dog young. chasing a balloon. And I mean, it, when yeah. we were talking about Oak Brian there uh, last season, I actually. I think the back end of last season we've seen the best of O'Brien when he was doing the the shitty horrible work mm-hmm. to create space for Charlie White. Yeah, but it's a completely different system that we're playing this year, and it's probably not suited O'Brien. I know he scored the hat trick in the League Cup, and he has done. He's done okay when he's came in, but sometimes when you see when he comes on, he, he just he's not got that pace. He's not. I don't even think he's got that like the bite. of... Uh, what, what the, the strikers that we have got. It's just not but got quality option. for
1: me. It's just, um, he,
0: he lacks quality.
1: I'll take the moral high ground. When we signed Ian O'Brien, I tweeted about him and I said, he is a defensive left winger. And everyone, oh my God, he's been signed as a striker. I was like, I've actually seen the kid play. I've seen the bloke play. He is a defensive left winger, which there shouldn't really be but, such a thing if I'm quite honest with you.
2: We've also got the option as well, talking to strikers. And it worked with Hamilton last year, right? by sending them out on loan and getting some senior football and you've seen we're reaping the rewards now because you've got man the match today is we've got the option to recall Josh Hawks. Mm-hmm. Now he scored for fun in the 23s last season. Um, as far as I'm aware, I think Tramley, they won him permanently because he's, he's playing really well. And when he's not scoring, he's assistant. We've got them options of bringing these players back in. And like I've said, if our targets aren't better, and the lads we've got out on loan, which is Greg, which is Hawks, which is Diamond. Well, Diamond's not a nine, but you know what I mean. Like we can't bring in players who are not going to be better than the ones we've got on loan. So we have got them options to bring them back in, and I think we all said at the start: Josh Hawks getting the loan. He's got the talent. He's got the ability. He's played senior football now in the EFL. If we need a striker, bring him back, in my opinion, because he knows where the goal is. But then we. When Dave said there, we brought Harris on. I I I, I like the look of him. I, I think he's, yes, he's raw, he's young. He has to look at it and think, and there's Dan Neal. They're coming through, so why not him? So this could be the perfect opportunity for him to think, right, I'm going to make my claim now. And if he comes in in the next three or four games, maybe he gets a couple of sub appearances, maybe he's even one from the start, and scores one or two goals, then it, it, it opens it up for him, it, like for his pathway. And that's what we've been crying out for for years is letting the youth come through. So we have got them options within the club. It just depends can we stand someone who's better or do we try and use them the best way we can?
0: Yeah, I, I, I personally think we need, a, we need a few in the transfer market. We've seen, we've coped with the injuries, but I, I don't want us to get the end of the season with all the players and that good. I want a bit of. But you know what? The one thing I would say. I'm not going to suggest anyone because I actually have confidence for the first time in about 20 years in the recruitment team. <laughs> um, they've done an all right job and that's fair play to speak, man, because I'm very, very, very conscious of Sunderland and backroom staff and, and recruitment because of years of failure. But so far, so good. Um, if you're listening, Christian, I'm sure you're not. <laughs> if you are, mate, you've done a decent <laughs> job so far. Don't fuck it up, right? Um, <laughs> Dave, we've got, <laughs> we've got three minutes left. Same question as always, mate. What does that result mean in the context of Sunderland season?
1: Same again. I'm going to be that boring bastard. Means nothing unless we win next. Well, next game. So, yeah, it's it's one of them. Just onwards and upwards. The the one thing that I will say is it should breed confidence. You know, we're now playing. We're now back to the way that we started the season. We've got the ball. We're doing what we want. And I tell you what, there is a clear, concise idea of getting the ball through the lines very, very quickly. It was very evident today through not watching shitty EFL cameras and actual decent, you know, pitches. We got the ball into the right players, i.e., Embleton, Neil, Pritchard, Gooch, Dejacku. We got it there quickly. Um, so yeah, and I just think the interesting thing will come when we're playing the likes of chef Red, when we've got the likes of rotherham and stuff again can we make the pitch a little bit narrower can we make it a little bit tighter when we haven't got the ball because on the ball i have no worry about us whatsoever we will score goals let's just not concede five that'd be nice so yeah on the next one for me
0: brad same question you make you've got a minute 56 fire on
2: i mean, great i think it it means quite a lot today because today we moved back into the top two.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, big game coming up Chef, with, with Chef with Chef Wed at home, and the lads know our home form is quite good. So knowing that they're in the top two and it's in our hands to stay in the top two going into the new year, I think today's result. But then you couple that with the performance, it's quite, it's it's, it's quite a big thing. Um, it's just like you say, Chef Wed's going to be a completely different challenge. To Doncaster, and that's how we push on from today's result to go against a team that's in and around the top six, top eight, and then we see where we're at. We're going to New Year. If we're still in the top, if we're in the top two, because we win on Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whichever day between Christmas and New Year, it'll mean a lot to the lads, and it means a lot to the fans as well. I think we're all very happy, but I just want to point out before we do go,
0: oh, there's a car in the background making a wonderful noise. Um, just before I do let everyone go, please do subscribe if you get a second. And Brad, well done for making it through a half-an-hour pod um, with about 10 pints in you. Literally, I think about 10 pints. If anyone hears the slur and the mention of Will Griggs' name being a viable option, that'll be the reason why.
2: <laughs> i listen to this stuff. I'll listen to this tomorrow and think, oh, what the fuck was I saying?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do that silver, mate, but thanks for listening and thanks for joining.